Okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witch buster. Extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. Yay. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Live from the Auction Community Studios on this Friday morning, it is the Wolf and Luke Show. I'm Luke Wolf. What is going on? Oh, not a whole lot. Uh, where's lie. my mic sock, by the way? That's the first thing you've got to ask yourself on a Friday. What's up, Basin Onions? The Wolf that? and Luke Show. But what? We've been doing the show for four seconds. How did you lose the mic sock? I, well, there it is. It's right there in my bag <laughs> once again, ladies and gentlemen. I forgot to take it out. Do I sound a little clearer to you right now? Yeah, Basin I can totally Onions? understand what you're saying now. This is a complete change from all the other shows. Uh, I'm going to say that's a lie, that not a lot's going on. I feel like everything is going on. Everything's going on right now. What do you mean by that, Luke? Well, let's see. The first round of the NFL draft is over. Okay. The second round is coming up. The, Here we go. The Suns play the Nuggets tomorrow for oh, game one of that goodness. series. Like, there the is Joker. a lot going on today. The Joker and DeAndre Ayton. What is going to happen? Uh, is that not high, high anxiety? Right there when you think of that matchup. Yes. 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 So we're going to get into that a lot. We're also going to be joined by Max Starks, A.Q. Shipley, uh, Lorenzo Alexander, possibly another football guest. We'll see. Um, but we uh, we are going to start with the Cardinals and the craziness of last night, Wolf. So let's just kind of go big picture here. We'll obviously get deeper into everything. But um we, you know, you did the earlier part of the draft show last night, and then Tim Ring and I did the later part, and we overlapped a little bit. Uh, but that was a roller coaster. It was a roller coaster even before the draft it started. Was, yeah. Oh man, when the news came down, the news came down that the Arizona Cardinals, of course, were going to be docked. Uh, well, they were flipping picks. They were swapping picks with the Philadelphia Eagles, who, oh, by the way, were the NFC champions. <laughs> You're swapping picks with them. And it was all because of an impermissible phone call that Monty Ossenfort made to Jonathan Gannon, self-reported by the Arizona Cardinals. But whether it was self-reported or not, they were still getting hit. They were getting hit. It just put a pall over the first run. It put a pall over the first move. It just put a pall over the draft going into it. And yet Monty Austin Ford pulled it out. Yeah, I would say from that point on, he definitely recovered. Um, but to stick with that for a second, that's one of those things. Look, it's not great. You dropped 28 spots in the draft. You did pick up a fifth. Somebody tweeted us last night, and they were like, hey, they wanted to trade down and add picks. That's what happened. Uh, I don't think it was intended that way. But so they, they end up uh, moving from 66 to 94. They add a fifth from Philadelphia in the deal somehow. But um you're right. That started things off like, man, the draft hasn't even started, and this is not the way to go into it. It's not great. I would argue if the last 16 months had been different, I don't know that we would really care that much. But in that moment, it was like, seriously? Here we go again. Here's, here's yeah. something else. Um, it was in the negative column, firmly. It was. But I think if that was the only thing in the negative column, you'd forget about it instantly. It's just it felt like if you're a Cardinals fan, here we go again. This is It's been two or three weeks, so something's coming up. But from that point on, man... Monty killed it in the he first round. It. He absolutely. However, you feel about Paris Johnson, <laughs> and we don't know yet because we haven't seen him play in the NFL. That's right. Play rook. But play. In, but in terms of value, he got moving down and then moving back up. Is um yeah that that's that is how you do it right there. I, I thought of two things when this whole thing was orchestrated. I thought of two things. 
I thought of the New England Patriots and the Tennessee Titans. That's what I thought of. This is, this was classic. And to see that Monty Ossenfort, know that Monty Ossenfort is a combination, a collaboration, if you will, of those two organizations, the New England Patriots and the Tennessee Titans. Why do I say that, Basin Ornians? I say that because that would have... That would have been something that Bill Belichick would have done right there to move back to number 12, collect some picks, some good picks, and then move up to number six where you didn't lose all those picks. (laughs) Move back up to number six where you still got a first and a third and a fourth, I might add, out of that. You still got that and you move back up and you get the best offensive lineman in the draft. Now, Now, again, go prove it, Rook. That just because we say you're the best offensive lineman, some people had different opinions. Some people thought Peter Skaronsky was the best offensive lineman in the draft. Other people had other uh, opinions as well. But when you move up to number six and you get the best offensive lineman, that's the Tennessee Titans. It was a collaboration between the New England Patriots and the Tennessee Titans that I thought of. What a job Monty Austin Ford did. Pulled it out of the fire. What he essentially did, and it took a while to, to kind of to figure this all out last night and crossing off, okay, well, they traded for this pick, but then they got this pick. They basically add a 2024 first and a 2024 third. And by the way, those are Houston's picks. Yes. That first could be top five. Yes. Uh, but either way, it should be top 10. It might be top two. You know, who knows with Houston? They basically added a 2024 first and third to drop down three spots in the draft. Yes. And then, you know, there's other stuff. They they also added pick 81 and gave up uh, pick 105 and 168. And yes, I get it. People keep tweeting me, that. Well, what about the picks that they dropped in the tampering thing? Not a good thing. But They I'm, didn't I'm saying, drop any picks. It was a swap. But, but I'm saying that's separate from... I'm just talking about what they did with the number three overall pick. That's yes. all I'm talking about. They yes. dropped to 12, moved back up to six. So you dropped from three to six, and you added a first and a third basically next yes. year. Yes, and you got the best offensive lineman in the draft by most people's account. Well, either way, you got the guy you wanted. And we'll talk about the and Will Anderson the other factor thing. Yes. later. But, but, I mean, you know, I said this. You know I love Will Anderson. I said this That's, multiple. I'm still getting over that, by the way. Multiple times on the show yesterday that if they're going to take Paris Johnson, because that's sure what it looked like they were going to do even yesterday. Uh, I just didn't want them to sit at three and take him because I felt like you could trade down if you could find a partner and get something. If you're just telling me I could have Will Anderson or Paris Johnson, I'd rather have Will Anderson. But if you're telling me you want Paris Johnson. At least you were able to add a first and a third and still get the guy you wanted. And that's clearly who they wanted because Will Anderson was on the board and they didn't take him. No, you're right about that. Um, I honestly, right now, I, I, when they moved down to 12, I was still okay. I was okay with the deal because I thought they could get Peter Skaronsky. I thought they could get him at 12. And I, I love that kid from Northwestern. Yeah. The tackle right there. I wanted Paris Johnson. That was my first. He was the best. I thought he was the best offensive lineman in the draft. I've been talking about him for weeks. I wanted Paris Johnson Jr., but if you got Peter Skaronsky, I'd be great with that, especially number 12, knowing what you got, moving down, knowing you're in a rebuild, knowing you need picks. I was fine. I was okay with what they did. I wasn't great about it. He went 11th to Tennessee, Skaronsky, so I wonder if they like figured that out. Right there. I mean, he was right. How bad that would have been. What a kick in the cradle. If they would have stayed there, but no, 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 they didn't stay there. And what I thought was really interesting was the Arizona Cardinals moving from 12 to 6 and what the Lions took 
<laughs> because it felt like they took it on that one. That that's where the Cardinals made up a lot of ground. You know, the trade down, you're right to twelve. It was like okay, you didn't get you didn't get the Trey Lance package, uh, but you got you know you got value. Yeah, but, but it was just kind of like you said, and you said this. Well, there wasn't the a quarterback involved. Yeah, but it was just kind of like all right, they, you know, they traded down. You didn't you didn't fleece anybody, but you did trade down. But it's when they traded back up to number six is where they really got something out of this, uh, uh, and just in terms of assets and picking up pieces and, and like I said when you when you total together those two trades specifically they essentially added a first and a third to move down three spots and get the guy they wanted yes that part alone not the tampering that part alone is how you do it yes uh, <laughs> not the tampering <laughs> the tampering I, it, yeah it sucked buttermilk it did I'm not trying to say that it didn't but my goodness did you watch the rest did you happen to see what happened in that first round? I'm sorry. I think it was Bickley on with you guys when this was all going down. That's you know going into the draft was like, okay, how how is this going to affect this guy now? Right, you're a first year GM. <laughs> this is your first draft, and the first thing that happens as the draft starting is you just got hit with a tampering penalty. Like, are you going to be are are you going to be shell shocked? Are you going to kind of be like timid and not make moves? That was not the case because he probably not the made case. two huge moves. What does that tell us about Monty? More on this as the show unfolds, right? A little bit of his personality was revealed yesterday. Yeah, uh, and more is going to be revealed today because they have four picks today. Uh, the Cardinals just drafted All-American offensive lineman Paris Johnson Jr. with the sixth pick in the NFL draft, and we are giving you the chance to be the first to own his jersey in the new Cardinals threads. Just text DRAFT to 62620 for your chance to win a Paris Johnson Cardinals jersey. Again, that's DRAFT to 62620. Speaking of Paris Johnson, what are the Cardinals getting in Paris Johnson? You'll hear what Cardinals GM Monty Ford had to say about it next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Found out why you left him, but this answer begs that question. Too blind to see tomorrow, too broke to beg or borrow. Young and stupid, left wide open, hearts are wasted, lives are broken. All right, we are one pick into the Cardinals draft. I hesitate to even say this because they might make seven more trades, Wolf. Yeah. But as it stands right now, they have a pick in the second round today, pick 33. They have three picks in the third, 81, 94, and 96. Then they'll pick again to the sixth round tomorrow, 180 and 213. Yeah. So they have six more picks, uh, one second, two thirds, two sixths. But that obviously could change. Yeah. The third round's going to be very, very interesting if they remain status quo going forward, isn't it? Well, in that second round pick, we'll get into some of the names that uh, are still out there. That's the second pick tonight. Well, the there's, there's definitely more than two players out there that I like. So I'm guessing they'll at least have a chance to get a couple of these guys. Uh, all right, let's get into what they got last night, though, in Paris Johnson Jr. We talked about all the movements, and that, that to me... <laughs> That's almost a separate grade if people feel the need to grade this, uh, this, you know, the first round for the Cardinals. I think you grade the movement with the first overall pick. Yeah, you have to grade the tampering stuff too. It's almost separately from all of it, Paris Johnson Jr., which I don't think you can grade yet because the guy hasn't played in NFL, uh, down. But, um, as you said, he's pretty, Pretty uh, widely regarded as, if not the top offensive lineman in this draft, uh, certainly one of the top two. Here's Paris Johnson on his conference call last night talking about where he can play. I'm most comfortable anywhere. You know, I just take the time to be able to, to own that spot. Man, I can play anywhere. So, 
that's what I'm excited about, just being able to use my versatility to help the team. Oh, yeah, versatility to help the team. You know what I want to see you do, Paris? Yeah, I want to see you get in a three-point stance and just annihilate somebody. <laughs> so I'm so excited for this because it it is a new step forward, is it not, Basin Onions? It is a new step forward, and it's a step forward on the offensive line, and it's a step forward on the line of scrimmage, and the mentality that I think J.G. and his coaching staff is going to bring to this team is going to be modeled by a guy by the name of Paris Johnson Jr. Now, for all we know, he may suck buttermilk, ladies and gentlemen. I don't think he's going to. I don't expect that out of him. It might take him a year to really find his feet. That's one of the reasons why I love the fact you might start him off at guard as opposed to tackle. He can get that confidence level going. But the one thing I do know about this is this guy is a football player and he loves the game of football and he's super, super smart. And that is a great that is a great way to start framing on the foundation that you laid in the offseason. And the foundation isn't fancy, is it? There's nothing sexy about the foundation when you're bringing veterans in who are, are glue guys that are in the league five, six, seven years. Now, all of a sudden, that foundation, though, you're going to start building your house on. These guys that are signed to one-year and two-year contracts, they're going to be the foundation of this year going forward. What we saw last night, what we saw with Paris Johnson Jr., that's the framing part of this rebuild. Personality-wise, he sounds very similar to Will Anderson, actually, where it's just like, oh, you, I mean, again, you never know, but it sounds like you're getting a really good person, which I would assume entered into the Cardinals' equation on this. If it's not the top of your list, I'm sure you're picking third or then 12th or then 6th overall, you're trying to find the best player, but they, when they talked about the... Um, the type of people they want in the organization, Paris Johnson Jr. seems to to fit that bill. Uh, they asked him last night about um, how he, he found out, you know, the Cardinals trading down to 12 and then back up to 6 to get him, what that entire process was like for him. Yeah, so I went to my I, I, I went to my older line coach, Coach Stubbs, and I told him, I'm like, okay, I'm like, I still have the opportunity to go at 12 to go to the Cardinals, but I'm like, there's no way that I'm going to, that like the Raiders, Atlanta, Chicago Eagles, they all need to tackle. I'm thinking, I, I, was, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'll be there for 12 to be there. So when I got the call again, I went to the bathroom. I knew the lines were up. <laughs> I come back and I get a call. I'm like, I'm looking at my mama. Oh snap! I going to Detroit. <laughs> and then when Mr. Monty was like, oh, you know, hey, it's Cardinals. Like, like, like you know, remember what he told me? Remember what he told me our meeting? I was like, I was still trying to process. I'm like, this is, this is really not the lines. Like, this is really the. I thought I found out it was trade back to six. Found out on the phone. <laughs> I was like, it's crazy. So, man, crazy. I feel like that's a quote that, that we're going to be using for a while. Oh, snap. Am I going to Detroit? Yeah. <laughs> We've all had that feeling before. Yeah, I, I just thought, what a human moment right there. He went to the bathroom, but <laughs> had to take a time out for well, a second. Well, he figured he had a few picks. Uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> he did not. It reminds me of my brother Craig. I'll tell the story at some point in time, maybe late in the show. <laughs> all right, maybe Monday. That's what I'll do. Late after in the, the show draft, could get crazy. After the draft is over, I'll tell the Craig Wolfley story on draft day. Okay, I'll, I'll, based on yes. when the draft is over. I, I will just warn everybody that the final hour, think about it, we always turn on each other in the final hour. Of anyway. course. It's the final hour of a Friday. Um, you worked 
late last night. Yeah. I was here till I don't know, 8 Well, the entire night. week, basically, was a kick in the cradle. Yeah. We'd all agree. I mean, for me, last night, that was basically just like working a Coyotes game. It wasn't really that late, but but still, like, things are going to get a little bit loopy at, uh, at 1 o'clock. Okay, today. Mr. Tough Guy. Uh, you know, it's just I could have gone, you know, another 12 hours. Here's uh, Paris Johnson on Kyler Murray. Man, I mean, he's a beast. I mean, I've been watching him since, since I was in high school, you know, in, in, in his, when he, his college days, Oklahoma. You know, and then just being able to see what he does, um, I, I love the, I, I love the hustle he plays with. I love the way he extends plays. But I love the way he trusts his tackles to stay in the pocket when he needs to stay in the pocket. But yet again, if something were to put break down, he fights the finish, and he believes that his tackles are going to keep playing, to extend the play while he's trying to while he's trying to move around, he's trying to move outside the pocket to get the right throw. You know, he, like he's not afraid to, to put himself out there to make the play. You know. And I want to be a part. Of, I want to be a part of the guys that protect him, so he doesn't have to check his do it as often. That's the other thing about this right now, just the fact that, yeah, um, the team need of being able to protect Kyler Murray and how important it is that you protect Kyler Murray going forward. This is, this is going to be at the heart and soul of his success because you got to have him play more in the pocket because you will put him under center more. You've got to be able to protect him. Guys like Paris Johnson Jr. go a long way in terms of getting that done. All right, the Kyler Murray angle on this, um, you can tell the Cardinals fan base is some of them really like it and some of them really hate it. (laughs) And I've heard from both sides quite a bit since they made this pick last night. On the one hand, you went out and got who you believe is the best offensive lineman in this draft and who most people believe is the best offensive lineman in this draft. And you've been saying this for two months. Well, if this is something you need to address in the draft. And like I said, I like that you were able to trade down, get stuff, and oh. do it. Because I, I wouldn't have loved taking Paris Johnson at Not three. Not just stuff. A first-round pick next a year and a third. Top five pick. Top five potential pick. Top, yeah, no, you're right. Not just stuff. Really good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, and then still get the guy you wanted. But there are people who are like, I can't believe they went out. Kyler wanted this guy, so that's why they drafted him. They went out and drafted the guy Kyler wanted. I I know that that report came out last week, yeah. and I'd be lying if I said when hey. we, when we had to pick here who you think the Cardinals are going to take. Once I saw that, I was like, okay, there's. I didn't I didn't think they were going to take Paris Johnson because Kyler said it. Just the fact that that story came out, and maybe from working with you for this long, that I just see all the subterfuge. I assume there was something to them taking Paris Johnson, but I, it's not like Kyler Murray was like, that's why I want draft him. Yeah, that's, I know that's not how this. No, that's works. not how it worked right there. Not only that, watch some tape. Watch some tape, please, will you, of Paris Johnson? Go ahead and watch him. And you tell me that, oh, they drafted him because of Kyler Murray. Just admit it. You can't stand Kyler Murray. Just admit that, okay? Fine, whatever. But just admit that. Don't rip Paris Johnson for it because that guy, that guy is a first round pick. Whether you think, whether you think he is the best tackle in the draft, whether you think he's the best guard in the draft or not, it doesn't matter. Where they took him to me is right about where he should have gone. But it sounds like he, I mean, you, you heard his comments. When when they dropped down to 12, he was like, oh, I guess I'm not going to Arizona. <laughs> There's too many teams that need an offensive lineman in the top 10. And that's the way it typically is. We always we always talk about how quarterbacks shoot up the draft. And they did, again, last night. What was it, three in the top four? Three of the top four picks were quarterbacks, again. Um 
Not Will Levis. I'm going to get to him later on. He still hasn't been drafted. But but then after, after that, offensive linemen tend to move up because they're such a premium. And, and I will say this. Drafting an offensive lineman is not exciting in the moment at all. I will grant you that. <laughs> it is for me. I'm sorry. Well, I, love yes. I love it. But when's the last time the Cardinals successfully drafted an offensive lineman in the first round. Well, if they haven't even tried to draft an offensive lineman in the first round in a long time, yeah, DJ Humphreys would be the last one, but that was, well, that had to be close to 10 years ago, right? Yeah, right. Eight, yeah. nine years ago, yeah. Um, when are we going to get to the part where we're going to start looking at what they might do at 33? When are we going to do that? Because I Were you not in the pre-show I, meeting? I, I, I'm serious. Just I, I just want to absolutely, yeah, I want to get all jacked up on that right there because there, there's a couple of possibilities that are out there. Oh, there's I, one name I really want. I there's one name go, in particular I really want. the roof! There's, there's one specifically <laughs> that I, I, he's still there. They only have to get through one more pick for him to be there for, uh, for them. We'll get into that, certainly, uh, with the second and third rounds coming up tonight. We're also going to talk, though, to Max Starks when we come back. So text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. And look, the Cardinals just took an offensive lineman with their first pick in the draft. Who better to talk to than Max Starks to get some insight on how Paris Johnson can actually help the team on the field? We're going to ask the two-time Super Bowl champion. He will join us next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, welcome back to the show. And it's a busy show. Day one of the draft in the books. Oh, yeah. Day two of the draft, which is should be a big one for the Cardinals tonight with four picks coming up. And, of course... Suns Nuggets game one tomorrow. We're going to get into that here shortly as well. Wolf, I, you know, I couldn't help but think last night, you know, all the trades and all that stuff, it ended up working out pretty well. It seemed like the Cardinals were pretty prepared for the first round of the draft. Imagine how much more prepared they would have been if they hadn't spent a couple hours flying out to see Kyler Murray's death. <laughs> they probably would have drafted Aaron Donald in the first round. I was wondering where you were going with that right there. You were a little effusive in your praise. I'm sure they would have moved up to number one and added seven picks, too, if they had just not spent a couple hours going to see that. Looking, that. you know, their fifth round, sixth round, seventh round picks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, like they didn't already do that. Okay, stop. <laughs> they it. hadn't put Let's their list together yet. Stop it. Why get all fired up about it? Well, let it go. That's more fun to get fired up about it. We're going to talk to Max Starks here shortly. Um, looking at the uh, the move that the Cardinals made last night, you add offensive line help, and uh, Max is here, which is good because I don't want to try and break down Paris Johnson Jr.'s uh, blocking techniques. That's why we have Max. Max, right. what's going on? Oh, hey, how's it going, guys? How are we? What's today? up, brother? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing good, doing good. Yes, yes. Um, I was I was on earlier with with your with your cohorts there, uh, Bickley and Murata. I see. Um, yeah, and getting ready for my now seven hours of draft coverage coming up <laughs> very soon. Oh, wow. um, yeah, exactly. That that is my life. Um, so, but um, but talking about Paris Johnson, um, this was one of the things I identified him as one of the top like athletic offensive tackles in this draft. And he was a guy that when you think about his movement capabilities, his footwork, 
and also just kind of his drive, right? He's a guy that wants to finish a play, run downfield, second, third level defender. Um, these are all the bonuses, I think, and what, what makes Paris Johnson kind of a really attractive pick for the Cardinals. I think he's versatile, um, where I think you could move him on the right side and he could, he could use that help. Um, but, you know, eventually, you know, you make him your, your future left tackle at some point, um, in, in, in the grand scheme of things. And you have that fifth year now attached to him. So you have a fifth year option so you can kind of keep the rate in check. As, as offensive tackle salaries tend to balloon, um, not to the quarterback level, but there's still high salaries that you still have to consider, especially when they're good. And, you know, my one knock, and I told Bickley and Mariah this earlier, but my one knock was about man, man blocking in the trenches, like head up type of five technique, four technique type of man blocking schemes, right? Where he's just one-on-one, you have an assignment to that guy. Um, that's where he kind of struggles a little bit. Double teams coming down on double teams. He tends to get off a little bit quicker to try and get to that second level because he's an athlete. Um, so he gets a little nervous when linebackers shuffle their feet a little bit outside of the zone that he's trying to go to. Like, you know, because most, most counter schemes and most double team schemes, mm. the tackle would then bump down to the guard and work to the backside backer. But if you have fast flow backers and he sees a little bit of a pre-snap movement where they're getting to play side a little bit quicker – he tends to get a little antsy and jump off of that sooner than securing the down block, which is more important. Um, but, but those that are the only something, I have. Yeah, yeah, that's something, Max, don't you think, that he actually can work on and get better at? Double teams, yes. yes. Man blocking, that's weight room. That's, uh, yeah. that's weight room and want to. And getting him to bend and be low against Because, I mean, because that's the other thing. We're not getting these monstrous defensive linemen now, right? <laughs> They're yeah. getting shorter and quicker. Kalijah Cansey's of the world. Aaron yeah. Donald's, right? They're getting smaller. So the compact nature of them and the power that they deliver, he has to be willing to work on that consistently and have that want to and drive, which I can't speak to because I didn't talk to him personally to get his true like demeanor. I've watched interviews and everything, and of course watching the tape. I can only go off of the tape that I've seen. You know, and you know, yeah. I'm sorry, Mac. <laughs> I'm so sorry, yeah. buddy. I keep interrupting you, but I'm jacked up about this. I wanted to say that he, coming out of college, you know, who he reminded me of you. Who's that? Who? You. Yeah, he has better feet than me. I, okay, he might have had better feet than you, but he, again, he would win Dancing with the Stars. Okay, he would definitely do that, maybe, but he did. He he reminded me of you an awful lot, a young you when you were out there, and um, I, I know that you would admit that you got better uh, in your NFL career, and I think he's probably going to do the exact same thing. But what I love about him too is when I say you, I'm talking body, soul, and spirit, the same type of guy as you do you see similarities i do see similarities i think i think he's a better athlete than me um and his athleticism is definitely one that's a plus over mine um where i thought i kind of excelled was i had the knowledge and i had the versatility because i had to play four positions um at florida my senior year so i thought i came in and had uh, had a more universal fit i think he is truly out the gates bred left tackle right and I think he can play right tackle. So that's what, it's easier for a left tackle to convert to right than it is for right to convert to left, if that makes sense to you. Yep. And so I, I love a lot of those things. And I think, you know, for him, he's also a lot lighter than me, which I appreciate. But, you know, but I, I think there, I, I think I, I take that as a great compliment, um, you know, because I think if you have that willingness, you have that mindset 
and you're willing to do it, which I had, and and I find you know there's 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 a couple of guys who do that. That that's that's what makes you invaluable, and then that makes you now what a 10-year player in the NFL easily. Yeah. And I think he projects out to be that type of player. I think he has that, that skill set and ability. But it's going to take those physical things is what he's going to have to really work on. Because I think the athletic things, like I said, the guy can reach a one technique on the backside cutoff. I mean, that's that's absurd. I, 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 I couldn't even do a three, you know, consistently if the guy slanted. This guy can cut off a one technique so with, with no problem. And he can get out in space any of your toss game, any of your outside wide screen game, any of your tight end delay screens, like he's the guy for that. You know what I'm saying? Like he's yeah. ready made for those type of plays. Now, Jonathan Gannon, you're thinking about how do you use Rondell more, a little bit more? How do you get some gimmicky things for Marquise Brown when you're not sending him on a streak route? Like those are the areas where I think Paris Johnson will really excel at right out the gates and gives you that versatility in your play calling. Um, it was just, I wouldn't necessarily put him on the open inside of a, of a weak side outside zone. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I wouldn't necessarily do him there at that or a part play, right? Where it's open side, weak side, double team, and you have two blockers coming on the outside to pin. I wouldn't do him there. But there's a lot of other things I would use him for. We're talking to Max Starks, and Max, uh, you know, there's, this is kind of the first real chance we get to get an impression of Monty Austin Fort. And, you know, we still haven't really, <laughs> we don't know what Jonathan Gannon is going to do obviously so that pick and the style offense of uh, offensive lineman that Paris Johnson Jr. is does that tell you anything about the offense that the Cardinals might want to run going forward I think it gives a little bit of detail but I think it more so speaks to the GM style of Monty Austin for it which is we're going to be we're going to be smart strategic and aggressive because it takes it takes some uh, some big CO Jones there to trade out of the three pick and go back to twelve and then come back to six, <laughs> yep, <laughs> you know, yep. to make two moves, you know, in the top ten um, is a big move. So I, I like the aggressive nature. I like he identified who he wanted. He knew that he wasn't going to go before the top five and said, "We need to get back there at six before these other guys start getting hip to this." Because after that, you you know, you saw Skaronsky go at about what eleven. You saw Darnell Wright go, and it was like, "Whoa, wait a second. Because the Steelers. Did the same thing. They were like, we're at 17. Roger Jones isn't going to be there. Boom. Bumped down to 14. And they, they and the Cardinals were kind of the ones that set the offensive tackle um, race out, out in the draft. So I, I really appreciate that. I liked it. And it was a very good move because I was like, why the hell are they trading back to 12? And they're okay with that. I was like, Okay, let's see. Well, they got a bunch of resources for it, so let's see what they do. They need to be back in the top 10 because of that roster, but they also need a lot of picks because they got to turn this roster over. So I was so I was really excited to see that that he didn't get content with just that one trade and then went back and found a partner that was willing to do that that didn't have a problem with going back. So it was it was fun to watch the chess match last night, especially in the top 10. Yeah, that was the thing that blew my mind, Max, because he had to be planning that, right? He had, I, I, I think hope, he... Hope, I would say. I was you're, hoping for you're that. right. Because <laughs> all it takes is somebody to say no. I, I know. Like, well, so much for that one. And that's the reason why I thought he had to have done it simultaneously. He already had to have it in the bag. Listen, you know, if I, if I offered you this for this, would you take it? You know, I, I, to me, it had to be orchestrated from the very beginning simultaneously. There was about a 20 well, minute period last night where Monty Austin Fort, you probably couldn't call Monty Austin Fort. Probably. <laughs> he was probably pretty busy. Yes. Max, we yeah. appreciate your time and your insight, man. As always, thank you. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. 
All right, you guys take care. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Max. That's uh, Max Starks, the perfect guy to talk to today, honestly. Cardinals go out there and take a uh, an offensive lineman with a top 10 pick. Max Starks was the first guy I thought. I'm sure I'm sure he saw that pick and was like, everybody's going to call me in Phoenix tomorrow yeah. about this. His body structure, though, Paris Johnson Jr. reminds me of Max Starks. And his, his ability to play as well reminds me of Max Starks, who was a left tackle for the Steelers, of course, and played for the Cardinals well, as well. Max Starks uh, started for a long time and won two Super Bowls. So if Paris Johnson right. wants to do that here, I, I would think I would uh, be happy with that. Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, the Red Hot Chili Peppers are heading to State Farm Stadium with special guest The Strokes, May 14th. You can win a pair of tickets now by visiting the contest page on ArizonaSports.com. When we come back, it's time to get to some basketball. The Suns arrived in Denver early. Game one is tomorrow. What can we expect to see from them in this second round series? We'll start to dive into it next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Wolf and Luke talk Suns nuggets now. All right, well, the good part of winning a series in five games is you get a little bit of a break, which I think we were all hoping the Suns would get, right? The downside is just from the getting to watch the playoffs experience, Wolf. Yeah. It's like, all right, let's get the second round here. <laughs> Even though I'm glad that Chris Paul is getting the rest or whatever, and Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, if they're going to play 44 minutes a night, get a few days off before the second round. Like, let's get going now, tomorrow, against the Nuggets game one. Yeah. No, I understand your feeling on that, your sentiment. Um, yet at the same time, you think, man, I'll bet you Devin Booker and Chris Paul and KD really enjoyed that time down. I, I feel like at least Chris Paul. Paul and probably KD, but not Booker. Booker's probably like running around a gym. Like, are we going to get like started here or what? Why didn't we just play this series after like that same night after Game Five against the Clippers? But Game One is tomorrow, five thirty in Denver. So we start off uh, the rematch from two years ago, same round and everything. Nikola Jokic coming off a very similar season two years ago. He was the MVP. This year he was up there. Um, so here we go. This is a Denver team that probably. I guess let's start there. Who do you think has more pressure on them? The, oh, the most think? Oh, generic yeah, producer for, question, but yeah, still. No, that's a, it's a good one right there, yeah, Luke. Thanks. That's a great way Answer, to produce, yes Luke. Or no. yes, a or B. Who has more pressure on the Your calls next. Oh, actually, um, we are going to take calls in a little bit, okay, not, but are. not about this. Okay, great. Um, who does have more pressure on them? The Phoenix Suns, they have more pressure on them, I think. And the reason being is because they have Kevin Durant. And I think uh, the guys inside the locker room would probably say the same thing right now. Chris Paul, would you not say that? I think Chris Paul feels a lot of pressure. I think Devin Booker feels a lot of pressure, of course. I, I, I know that you can look at the Denver Nuggets and you can say, well, they were the first, they were the one seed. They were the first seed in the West. They were in the one seed. Um, I, I understand that. But um, you get Kevin Durant, and we all know why the Suns made that move, and James Jones brought Kevin Durant in. It was to win a championship. I think the the onus is on the Suns. Yes, it, it is. And the only reason I asked that was to to say that the the team with the second most pressure in these playoffs might be Denver. Honestly, you're it, right. It, it I agree with that. It, it's the Suns for everything you just said because you know you traded for Kevin Durant and you gave up a lot of your future for Kevin Durant. And I, again. I, they're twelve and one with Kevin Durant. It was the right move, as much as we all liked Mikel and Cam Johnson. Um, but that puts pressure on your team. 
Chris Paul's never won a title. I, I maintain he is the most pressure individually to, to go all the way of anybody in the NBA. And Devin Booker, it's not like he's won a title. Now he's still, you know, young. So he's, you, you get the sense that like, if they don't win this year, Booker will be right back there next year with a shot. Um, but if you set Phoenix aside for a second, man, Denver's got Jokic. This guy wins the MVP the last two years. They have not done anything in the playoffs. They got past the second round once. They, they, for all this this talent got that they a lot. have, yeah. I mean, compared to a team like the Knicks, they have no pressure. You know, comparatively, the Heat. What pressure do they have? Uh, Golden State wins the title every other year. Do they really have pressure on the level of Denver and Phoenix? I would say these are, are probably the teams at the the top amount of pressure right yeah. now. Yeah, when you think about it too, with Jokic, of course, maybe the Joker. Philly. You're talking to maybe Philly, yeah. yes. Um, but you're talking about the Joker and two MVPs and a possible third. Now, as you said, I, I agree. He's probably not going to win his third MVP this year. But, um, you know, you think of two MVPs right now and the way people are talking about him, like he's a uh, Hall of Famer, and he is. At some point in time, he's a kind of walking, talking, living legend right now is a point center. <laughs> you know, there's not a lot of people who will call him that, but I will call him that because that's what he is when you watch him play. It's truly amazing. He's a point center. And yet, um, he doesn't do well in the playoffs for whatever reason. He hasn't been able to do that yet. No, and we didn't, we didn't see his best two years ago against the, the Suns. Now, Again, I think the Suns are winning this series, but we I think DA had something to do he with did. that. DA did, and Jamal Murray being out obviously did too. Specifically with Jokic, I don't yes. think I don't think Murray playing changes the outcome of that series. Two years ago, it might go more games. I don't think it changes who wins. But I, we didn't see Jokic's best two years ago. It wasn't bad. But we didn't see his best. Now Murray's back. But what you just said about DA, DA is obviously still here. Can he have something to do with it again? If you, if you slow down Jokic at all, I feel like you beat Denver. Yeah. You know, I, I think about this series coming up, and I just said it to you. When I think of the Denver Nuggets, I think of the Phoenix Suns. I do. Because the Suns have talent, ladies and gentlemen. They are loaded with talent. And we'd all agree on that. Their core four. The Phoenix Suns have talent. And I think the Denver Nuggets, you can say the exact same thing. <laughs> They've got talent when you consider Jokic, of course, and Jamal Murray. Those two guys right off the top. The, the talent they have. Aaron Gordon, of course, Michael Porter Jr. They, they've got talent, and we all get that. But I think it's going to be toughness that is going to decide this series. And that's what encourages me, because I think the Suns are capable to capable of finding that toughness sooner than the Nuggets are. They even have an ish. They have Ish Smith, but the Suns have more ishes yes. with Ish Wainwright and Matt Ishby. Of course. Um, Matt Ish. To, you know, to your point on the star power, if you go if you go with like the guys in their prime right now, what the, the Nuggets have uh, Jokic and Jamal Murray. The Suns have Devin Booker and, and Kevin Durant. And then the Suns also have Chris Paul. And then you kind of get into the like super talented but enigmatic players from the 2018 draft. Yeah. The Suns have DA, the <laughs> yes. Nuggets have Michael Porter Jr. Michael Porter Jr. But the, but there's still an extra player as I'm listing these off, right? Now we've got the Suns with like four high-end players and and the Nuggets with three. Now the Nuggets probably have more established depth and Aaron Gordon fits in there somewhere as well. Well, I wouldn't put him on the level of those other guys. Um, so it's it should be a good series, but uh, the the matchup you would just 
you would just think that the Suns are, are will be able to find a way to, to pull this out with uh, with the fact that they still are new with Kevin yeah. Durant. Like it's not like teams have seen enough of them to be like, oh, okay, this is how you stop KD and Devin Booker. Yeah. And there might not even be an answer to that question, but it's not like they've put enough on film where somebody's figured out how to stop those two. My one concern for the Phoenix Suns is defense. It is defense coming into this series right now. Um, toughness is part of that. Being tough is part of playing good defense. You have to. You, you you have to try hard. There has to be effort behind playing good defense. You have to really care about it. You have to move your feet. It hurts. Think about it. It does. It hurts. You play basketball right now, basement earnings. I don't care if you go out on the weekend over to the YMCA and you get into that stance and you spread your legs and you sink your butt and you get your hands out and you play defense and you start playing it hard, trying to keep your body between the, the ball and the basket. You usually end up getting hit in the face like Corey, right? right? Yeah. Down at the Y even, it's pretty tough. It's a good workout right there. It hurts. And... Toughness, I think, is going to be important in this series. I can't get it out of my head for whatever reason. Is it just going to be, oh, the other team was more talented? They just had their talent play better than the other team's talent. I I don't think so, Basin Onions. This is going to come back. It's always a combination of talent and toughness. It's always going to be that way when you play a physical sport like the NBA, when you play a physical sport like basketball, football, Hockey. It's always going to be a combination of talent and toughness in regard to who's going to win in the end. I, I This series, I think there are two hyper-talented teams, and toughness will decide it. Uh, the, the Suns got to Denver early for this uh, this series. Here's Devin Booker talking about that yesterday. We're not doing anything better at home um, besides <laughs> just waiting on this. So I think it's good to get up here, use the elevation a little bit, um, just settle in. Hey, why'd you go on vacation? I'm not doing anything better at home. No. Hey, why'd you randomly just go to Alaska? What was I doing in Phoenix? <laughs> uh, here's Monty Williams, his reasoning for why they got to Denver early. Allowing them to get some good work in and- Stuff. And then, you know, there's always that thing that people don't want to talk about, but it's it's a deal uh, with the altitude. The more time you can spend here, the better. Uh, not quite sure. Two days allows for you to acclimate, but you never know how to get it back. That was the answer I was looking for, was for somebody to say altitude. Yeah. <laughs> Booker gave us the, eh, what was I doing at home? Yeah. Let's just get to Denver. Early. Right. Obviously, the coach is going to give you a little more detailed of, uh, yeah, we're dealing with altitude, and that is a thing. It's so amazing, because every time we'd go and we'd play the Denver Broncos, of course, in Denver, um, you know, the team leadership were like, you know what, I don't want to hear about this bull crud. I don't want to hear about how you can't catch your breath. Okay, we all get the altitude right now. We'd be preparing each other. For, right? We'd be talking about it. You're so soft. You are so buttery smooth because you're talking about the altitude. You know, suck it up, all right? How are they getting through it all? They're, they're breathing the same air. Suck it up. Don't listen to science. Science is full. <laughs> They've been I'm, doing it all year. I'm just telling you right now. I mean, this is the way we'd be talking <laughs> this up inside the locker room. And I wonder, I wonder if, in fact, the Suns are doing the same. Don't, don't give me your excuse about your you're winded, and you're up here in the altitude. You're playing in the air. Suck it up. I'll take a split this weekend. If you split, if you win Saturday or Monday, 
I mean, I'll take two and zero. Oh, but if you just split, you got home court. Yeah. I mean, that's the approach, right? If you're the Suns, just go. Ahead and, I guarantee you, if we hear from Chris Paul, he's gonna be like, "Yeah, we just want." What would you take. rather win, game one or game two? <sighs> What would if, you if, if you're going to guarantee me I'm going to win game two, I, I'd rather win game two because I'd always rather be the team that won the most recent game. Okay, see, I would rather be the team that sets the tone in game one. I, if I had to pick one, how about that for a producer question? Wow, producer Where Wilson's was I in the, in the pre-show prep meeting? Not looking at our break times, obviously. Oh. oh. <laughs> Answer your question, and then I'm going to take us to break. Yeah, what, what was my question? I don't that, know. <laughs> there was Would you rather you win game one or game with, two? Oh, yeah, game one. I was I answered it. I said, yeah, game one. Set the tone. Yeah, this Oh, how's that one seed treat you? How does this feel? I agree until Denver wins game two, and then you're just kind of back to, huh, that's how the one oh, seed Well, that's all right. We came in. We did what we had to do, and I think you all know that. We took home court advantage. Thank you. You know who won game one in the last round? The Clippers. You're you late know who now. won game two? You're won late the series. <laughs> Taste it. Uh, we come back. What stands out about Paris Johnson? We're going to ask former Cardinal center A.Q. Shipley. He will join us next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.